You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 156, covering The Forsaken and Dramatis Persona with Amanda Smith. Friends, we're back, and I went all the way to the next room to bring us a guest, and that guest is married to me, and her name is Amanda. That's me. Okay, good show. Hi, good show, Amanda. Everyone. That's, that's quite enough of that now. Convenient show. Haha, <laughs> <laughs> ha, I made you watch uh, Dramatis Personae twice. Oh, two times. Both that's, times. Uh, that's ground for, grounds for divorce in a lot of marriages, I feel. Only in Canada. True. That's why I moved her here so I could get away with that crap. Matt, does that mean you're getting divorced? Oh, I hope not. This episode got sad. <laughs> Hooray! This is one of those. This is one of those long coveted uh, weeks where we have a, a super great one and a super terrible one, which we are told yep. is is when we are at our best. So it's uh, a glorious balance. I suppose. we're suffering for you. Yes, the people at home. And the thing is, I'll, I'll give Amanda full credit because she tends to, she really likes Deep Space Nine and wants to watch along with me. So she's also sitting through episodes like Move Along Home. Yeah, but mostly uh, I'm not. Mostly I'm like, yeah, yeah, Star Trek. Yeah, but then there's Move Along Home and there's the. Alamarine. Yes. One, two, um, three. The, uh, the other one, the other one that we all hated. And that other Mullity one. Rebels. It's been a, it's been an up and down season. We'll say that. And this episode, yeah. or the, yeah, this uh, these two episodes sort of uh, encapsulate that more than most, I would say. In yeah. close. In close. No, in I wasn't trying to say penetrate. In close it. Uh huh. Why don't you tell us about the episode? What is called the Forsaken? I will, because this was the good one. Yep. I didn't mind watching this one twice. Yeah, you chose this one by by dartboard. Yep. Like, don't don't act like you uh, spotted the great episode. No, no, it was like you I could don't have just know, as easily of dramatis and stupid episode. Yes, that terrible <laughs> traumatis. I'm personae, personae. I don't know. I don't speak Latin. Traumatis? Personality. Nobody personae? does. It's a dead language. All right, Amanda. Why don't you then? Tell us that. So we open on Cisco updating his station live journal, mentioning that a shuttle full of ambassadors are on a fact-finding mission to the wormhole. The facts they are sent to find is just how dissatisfied they can be with every aspect of the station. <clears throat> Cisco wonders what kind of an idiot he can use to distract, distract them, and hello, sends <clears throat> in everyone's favorite overachiever, Bashir. As much as I enjoy watching Bashir be browbeaten by these illustrious pains in the ass, this is just a C-plot uh, that serves to bring us to the main attraction, and I do mean attraction, <clears throat> as the extremely hot Luxana Troy also comes along to fault find. I, I mean, fact. Fact find. <laughs> oh, I'm so funny. Well, <laughs> That's what makes you funnier. Ah. Well... <laughs> While playing Dabo, her priceless latinum hair brooch has been stolen. Odo comes to the rescue and wham, bam, thank you, changeling. Luxana falls for tall, beige, and mutable. While Luxana role plays as Pepe Le Pew to Odo's cat with a paint stripe on its back, we barrel into the B-plot. Some kind of a probe, non-flute solo, comes through the wormhole. Dax and O'Brien science at it for a little while, and it turns out it's got some kind of consciousness... <sighs> because of course it does. It's probably testing them. It starts screwing around the station's computers. Are even probes in the Gamma Quadrant jerks? 
Unfortunately, the probe being kind of alive is really just an excuse to trap Odo and Loxana in an elevator like so much Picard in a pile of small children. They're stuck in there for ages while O'Brien and Dax try to science things out, and eventually Odo has to revert to his gooey state and rest his goo head in Loxana's lap. Meanwhile, Bashir saves the ambassadors from another fireball down the corridor because they can't seem to get enough of that effect, and O'Brien figures out a way to shove the life form into some kind of subsystem, <clears throat> where it will be no tribble at all. First appearance of that for Deep Space Nine, so... It's true. Yay, I suppose. In a way. <laughs> I uh, I you, suppose uh, we can give up on our uh, on our dreams to uh, ever retire that bit, huh? I think it's clear that we'll never retire any bit from this show. You should just give up on all of your dreams. Uh, that's for the other show. That's for everyone. <laughs> no, I'm afraid not. We're going to cut that from the show. Okay. <laughs> You're going to be nice because we have new listeners who, who like to enjoy the show and maybe not be told that they're losers. They, I didn't say they're losers. I said that everyone in the world should, should give up on their dreams. Well, yeah, that's that's not that's not Gene's future at all. What's wrong with you? Well, he I died, don't... so it kind of is. He died for your sins, Matt. Let's never that's forget true. that. Oh God, Matt has a lot of sins. I think that's... it's going to take more than one guy. That's yeah, true. No wonder he died. Sins in the eye of in the eyes of Gene Roddenberry are different than sin like typical sins. Sins Listen. in the eye of the beholder. Yes, in the eye of the beholder. Exactly. Uh, okay, let's let's hear your good thing, Amanda. This one was hard. It was really hard to pick one good thing. There are so many good things. But in um, fine tradition of screwing up the format of the show, mm. which is, is a tradition, uh -huh. um, my good and bad thing are kind of connected. Uh, so I want to do them both at the same time. I'll allow it. Well, I was I want to see where she's going with this. <laughs> <laughs> Be careful. I might get too close. <laughs> um the deadly danger, as usual, is played out, New Jack, bullshit. Some kind of a life form that's messing around with the computer and... <laughs> but my good thing is that it totally doesn't matter at all. They figure out that this is the life form thing right away, and we don't spend a lot of time dicking around trying to figure it out and pretending like it's some kind of mystery. Uh, oh, we're having trouble with our systems. Well, it happens right after we were screwing around with some weird probe, so, huh, it must be that. It must be that. Let's fix it. And then they use the dumb danger to get us into the characters that we actually, like, care about. So it totally doesn't matter. It's great. Yeah, it's, that, uh, it's the same thing as sort of last week, where it's like, at this point, everyone in Star Trek is very clear on sort of how the Star Trek universe works, and they can just sort of get into the fixing part of it. But see, we've said this over and over and over again, and I feel like we're going to have to keep saying it as this show does it well, and future shows maybe don't do it so well. It doesn't matter, like you say. It, it's character stuff. Like, just set the stage so that something interesting can happen with character. Yeah. Whereas in the next episode everyone's acting so out of character that you're not learning anything about them. It's just a weird thing that happened and who cares? That's why yeah. we don't like it. But here we get, uh, this is like the third time we've gotten inside Odo's head in this season. And I feel like we don't know Dax at all, but we so completely know Odo now. I'm not complaining. Mm -hmm. I love the No, guy. not at all. Like, the more I learn about Odo, the more I want to learn about Odo. I love that character. Right. But I would say season one, we're almost at the end of season one, by the way. There's only two more episodes for us. Weird. Yeah. And um, that means it's just slowly slipping through our fingers, Matt. We're one season closer to Voyager. Not uh. just Matt. Me too. You could drop out, you know. You don't have to do this. We no, are... you could just go back to being a normal person who watches whatever TV show they feel like. But... Yeah, exactly. 
I don't know. I feel like I need to know what's going on in the show to be able to like well, contribute. Right. I, I have asked professional all... pride. I have asked Aaron's all you laws guys in the states look. are really weird and based around how you record a podcast. <laughs> well, my my particular vow. I, I had the the whole prenup thing, which we had the the podcasts uh, established at that point. And uh, yeah, there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of strange stuff in there. Do so you I promise get... to love, honor, and watch uh, Deep Space Nine for better or worse? And she jumped up and down and clapped her hands and said, "Yes, of course." Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so, and then the, he slipped in the Voyager thing afterwards. Listen, I was, yes. I was so excited, I didn't hear it. Listen, the I don't want to do Voyager it either. Clause. But um, now I'm picturing Voyager claws, which is like uh, <laughs> Chakotay wearing a Santa hat, bringing uh, shitty episodes to all the bad boys and girls throughout the galaxy. But seriously, without you, without being too unfair to the show that we haven't actually watched yet, I do remember a few Voyager episodes doing that thing where it's all about the danger and you forget, oh, right, characters. Yep. Exactly. And it's Braga. That's the way he writes. Fortunately, and he's nowhere to be found here. Yay. It's rarely the danger, any danger, even the goofiest, most fun danger, is rarely interesting enough to hold your attention for 45 minutes. Well, yeah, last week, if, if wishes were horses... That was about as fun as it gets as far as, you know, danger or, or weird stuff goes, and it still wasn't that great. No. And original series did the best goofy, interesting, deadly danger stuff. And yeah. it didn't, but again, it was so much focused on the characters, even though all this goofy stuff was happening. Because that's how you write drama. You write compelling characters with conflict, and yeah. the show gets both of those things correct. It's so refreshing. It's it, we've said this before. It feels so much more like a grown-up show than the than the other two have. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, we won't see that in the next one so much. But in this one, definitely, it feels this. Didn't this feel like a season four or five episode? Like it felt like we were already in these characters' heads. We already like were comfortable with them. It didn't yep. feel like the pilot was only you know fifteen weeks ago or whatever. I, it, a lot of that I think has to do with the fact that we've got uh, Luxwana, who we have well established by this point we have but i don't think anything about her appearance depends on knowing her from before if you know that is certainly true she could be literally any of the she could have been any ambassador like if they couldn't have gotten majel barrett yeah they could have gotten someone else i don't think it would have been as good no i like the way that she plays it well that's my good thing but uh okay well go ahead the way she and odo play off of each other they have the most amazing chemistry for two characters who have only who are only on screen together for you know about maybe half an hour. Yeah, two actors who have I don't think even met before this episode. No, but they click so perfectly. I love the way I love the way she just makes him automatically on like on guard. Like she has no he has no idea how to deal with her. Right. Like and this. That's is... not him. Like he's he's so himself. No matter what's happening, yeah. he's still the same. Like. The Federation came, the Cardassians came, the Bajorans came. It didn't matter to him. Everything, he's pretty much still the same. Yeah. But Luxana comes around, and oh, God, he's all shaken up. But see, and that's a very classic comedy formula. You have the, you know, the guy with dignity, the guy, the unflappable guy put next to someone that flaps him. Yes. And she absolutely did that. Oh, she definitely flaps him. Yeah. She tries to, anyway. That's true. (laughs) But the, um... The thing about it is she, I completely lost my train of thought. Just gone. Just completely like out the airlock, like it was floating around like a thought. <laughs> and then it got flushed out the airlock. I completely forgot where I was going with that. No, she she has a way of, of 
even though let's say you've never seen a next gen episode within five minutes, you get a complete idea of what this character is all about. Absolutely. Like and, all, all you need, if you, all you need is that, uh, that little scene in the, in Quark's bar. Right. Exactly. It which, sets up everything you need to know about her, about her and about why she's chasing Odo now. Yeah. But it doesn't just like info dump on you. No, not at it's all. It's not like, well, I'm Luxana Troy and, Counselor Deanna Troy, who is on the Enterprise. They don't yes, even mention Deanna, not once. Yeah, no, up. she doesn't come up. And if you don't know there's a character named Troy on some other show, and you did, like I say, you didn't watch it, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know that. It doesn't matter. Like, there's a little scene where she mentions, uh, uh, I think it was Menage Troy mm-hmm. yeah. from TNG, and just sort of as a thing that happened to her and her daughter, and it's done really well. Yeah, and then she mentions several other things that we've never seen before because her whole life doesn't revolve around her once a year visiting her daughter. Exactly. Which is which is rather nice. You uh, you originally had a um, no, I guess this is your bad thing, which is rather odd, Matt. What? Your bad thing. I thought this was your good thing. Oh no, I was... because it is a good thing. Uh going from that, um, the quote. Uh, in well, this, this is actually Amanda's quote, which is Amanda's so quote. We'll go ahead and play this here. I'm... Every sixteen hours, I turn into a liquid. Swim. Thank you. Uh, not only the best, ep- the best line in the episode, not only the best line in the season, not only the best line in Deep Space Nine. That may be the best line in Star Trek ever. I think it's so good we might need to ret- retire the quote from uh, Deep from uh, Post Atomic Core, <laughs> and that's sad. No, because if someone meets Armus, they could say, uh, "Hey, hey, I can swim." You ah, well. But Star Trek tries to be sexy so hard. Yeah, it really But you yep. just want to say, Mom, quit putting your lingerie photos on Facebook, please, yeah. please. And this, in this one line, Loxana is sexy, actually sexy, and it's a weird alien thing, too, that you wouldn't be able to do in just a, a normal, like, straightforward on-the-street drama. Yeah. So you get that weird alienness. But it's still, it's not gross. It's like, yeah, I could swim in that. <laughs> and and it's also, it's genuinely funny, too. Like, it's, it's, a, it's just a great line. It is. And and I thought it happened much later in the episode, but it happens really early on because mm-hmm. she's trying to disarm him. Yeah. Like, it's not like after he's about to collapse. Disrobe him. Yes. She's trying to disrobe him. Right. That's and, pretty easy. Just all she has to do is say, be naked. And... Oh, yeah. The joke's on her. The, he's not wearing a robe. Like, the robe yeah. is him. Yep. The one set of goo tracks is where he was carrying her. <laughs> The one set of goo tracks was when he grew wings. Right. Why am I watching wings? <laughs> so my good thing, and and I also had the same thing here. It's very difficult to narrow it down to one. This really may be the best episode we've done so far, first of all. Yeah. It's either this or that one other one that we really liked that I'm completely drawing a blank on. Mm-hmm. Now. It's, uh, Kira Burns Down a House? Yes, Kira Burns Down a House. Thank you. That was exactly not the episode I was thinking of in any. <laughs> now you're thinking of George Burns down a house. <laughs> no, you're thinking of George Burns. Oh, of course. It might have been, uh, might have been a man alone, maybe. Uh, yes, remember. yeah, yeah, with um, with Tosk. Uh, yeah, Tosk. Right, that one was quite good. Yes, but there there have been a few good episodes so far. But I would say this one is the best one we've done so far. Yeah, and you know we're only twenty episodes in, but still. That's, uh, you know, it's pretty nice that they can get something together so 
that so completely appeals to what we like about Star Trek and season one. As mm-hmm. we pointed out with Next Gen, they they didn't have one good episode in their season one. Not one. No. Encounter at Farpoint was okay. But beyond that, you know, you don't get you don't get two or three really great ones like you get here. They yeah. had a lot of terrible mom's lingerie episodes. They did. Oh, but anyway, God. yeah, so they did. The, the oh. my good thing. Remember Women Planet? No. Oh. I don't remember any of that, Matt. Oh, remember like Angel One? That's nope. the one. Nope, don't remember it. Oh. Don't need to remember it. Recorded a show about it, wrote it in our book, it's done. I never have to watch it again. But uh, so, so what I'm getting at is it's really hard to come up with a good thing. My good thing is Cisco. In this particular episode, he's got some really great stuff. He's got this thing with Bashir where he's like, you know what? You're the junior officer. You're going. You're, you're on diplomat duty. Fuck you. I don't have to do this. Yeah. And Bashir's like, this is, uh, this is unfair. You're, you're, you're singling me out. He's like, oh, no, no, no. Curzon Dax did this to me. This ha- yeah. this is a long tradition. This happens. Everyone, everyone gets – this happens to everyone. You're no different. It's sort of like hazing, only you're not yeah. actually torturing someone. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a nice change. Um, I mean, but, but uh, it, like, it, it worked. pretend like it's for his own good. It's not like, oh, you're doing this so you can better your career. No, Cisco no. says, you're doing it because I don't want to and I'm yeah. the boss of you. So yep. get down there. You're the and junior officer nice. and you're on shit duty. That's how mm. this works. Yep. Just count the pips. That's why. <laughs> but um, he also has some great scenes with Odo. Odo comes into his office all flustered about Luxana and he's like uh what what this woman wants me oh yeah that was really and, good and Cisco goes so go for it yeah and he's just got this great sort of smirk on his face like yeah i'm what are you tattling what's going on here Look, and he, he's just like why why not constable go for it let her do you want to hear the legends i've heard of Luxana Troy jesus christ also <laughs> the way he responds kind of makes me think that he was like yeah, if that was an opportunity, if my if I wasn't grieving for my dead wife, I'd totally be in there. Yeah, it's it's possible. I don't think yeah. she's. I don't think he's really uh, looks on his type though, because he's not so stiff that she has to break down his defenses. No, and she's, she's no, she, not. He's so no fun for her. That, uh... well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> his t- his type of woman does tend to be a bit bland. No, as we will see in later no, episodes. And Luxwano goes after people she can have fun with. Well, that's true, but she tends she to go that after sti- that. She likes that stiff guy that she can mess with. Right. She what she wants is someone who's emotionally unavailable, so that she can then break him out of his shell. That yeah. tends to be her her type. And her type probably wanted each port. Yeah, exactly. She <laughs> yeah. she leaves Odo with the promise that she'll be back and and they'll have some really fun, sexy times. Then it's like, how many times does she have this conversation in the course of a year? Yeah, I bet it's like ten. I bet it's not so many that it's scandalous. But I bet it's like she's got one a month, let's say. I don't think it is scandalous. We talked about how much Beta Zoids likes sex. Well, I suppose that's true, too. But she is an ambassador, and, you know, you, you don't want to be too careless with who that you're sleeping with. That just means she with. gets more sex. <laughs> yeah, but... More expensive sex. Matt, that's not what diplomatic immunity means. <laughs> I don't understand what you're talking about. You're going to have to watch a little movie called Lethal Weapon 2 if you want to learn all I, about diplomatic I know immunity. Exactly. I've seen Lethal Weapon 2. It involved a man getting tied to a toilet. No, he wasn't tied to the toilet. There was a bomb on the toilet seat, and if he got up, it would blow up. Right. He was metaphorically tied to the toilet. So if he peed less quickly than 30 miles an hour, right. what would right. happen then? Well, then the bomb would explode, and then Keanu Reeves would have to come sit on the toilet with him, like on yes. his lap. So thank goodness that didn't happen. Uh, <laughs> this movie took a real turn. <laughs> 
<laughs> my bad thing they okay so the invasive program the thing that amanda said doesn't matter and it doesn't matter no but they do have to cut back and talk about it every now and then so we know how much time is left in the ticking clock and um which is actually in the next episode <laughs> um, they compare it to a puppy and the the program is in their their system and the program's only excited when it's getting sort of stimulus Mm-hmm. And it gets bored when you're not playing with it. And so in that sense, it's vaguely like a puppy. Yeah. And they won't let the puppy metaphor go to the point where there's this admittedly cute, but sort of contrived bit at the end where O'Brien's like, come on, sir, can I keep it? I I, man, I, I promise I'll feed it and take care of it. It was like a puppy. I get it. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, Keiko wouldn't let him keep a dog. No, no. She'd have it put down two days after he got it. Even imaginary dog. Yeah, probably. Miles, I don't like you lavishing attention on something that's not me. What about poor little Molly? Who? Ah! (laughs) Yeah. So at the beginning, we have this great scene where, um, where Loxana's found her, her thing missing and, and she, uh, she's, you know, stop thief or what, you know, whatever she says. Sure. And immediately Bashir goes, quack. (laughs) And it's just, it's not the same at all. Unless this is Steve Allen, you're stealing my bit. <laughs> Unless you're Krusty the Clown, you're stealing his bit. That's true. Um, but well it's spotted, a, old friend. It's a it's it's a great little thing where you're just like, you're not the right guy. <laughs> Where's the guy who says, the, oh, there he is. Maybe they're going to make it a runner where everyone did it. Just quark. There's probably a super cut on, on YouTube, or there should be. Yep. Said to Ode to Joy. Yes, Odo to Joy. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Uh, that's really all I had, though. This was just a lot of watching characters be delightful to one another. Yes. There, there aren't even a lot of specific details to go into. No, this th- is another one where we didn't do a whole lot of talking during the episode. We were just like, oh, that's nice. No, I, I have like, that. I have like 10 notes and they say things like, I love Luxana, love that the diplomats love Bashir, you know, stuff like that. He ends up making friends with them at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. He saves them from a fire. Yep. So that good for him. Fire. The thing Kira is terrified of. Yeah. Because, like like you said, Amanda, they had that fireball coming down the corridor effect, and damn it, they're going to use it. <laughs> no, I mean, end of the day, this is a very, very character episode, and it's really just, it's basically two people in an elevator talking to each other. And... Which sounds so terribly contrived. Well, I mean, it, like, in a lesser show, this would be the clip job episode. Well, right, we're not far enough along to, to actually have... And, a... then, and then there was the time that I had to fight with Quark. Actually, you know, that didn't stop Shades of Grey. No, you got me there. Which only happened at the end of season two. Stupid Shades of Grey. Talking about this show being more grown up, this is the first episode where I really noticed a shift in the directorial choices um, to something way more sophisticated than what I was used to seeing on TV. Like, just... Mm -hmm. like. We'd do a rack focus thing where someone would be talking in the background and they were still blurry, mm-hmm. uh, but we didn't need to close up on them to understand they were talking. It was assumed, yes, we know they're talking because they're right there and that's their voice. And we had a lot of sort of up high shots where we didn't have to be right up in the characters' faces and there's a lot of movement and stuff yeah. going on. It just looked really good. No, well, it's, it's nice. It gives a real sense of the, the size of the station again. We've we've said that about all the shows, actually, where we like it when the ships look full and busy. Yeah. 
And this is, you know, this is no exception. And that op set is huge. It's a two-story set with a working elevator. Mm -hmm. So cool. And I think when directors... It's an ops play set. Yeah. I, I wish I'd had the ops play set. Did they make one? I don't think so. That's ah. what I'm saying. I wish I wish they had. With a Cisco's uh, office thing that only opens when he pushes the button. Yeah, exactly. That would be so great. Um, But I, I feel like when new directors or even house directors directing for the first time come in, they realize how big the set is and how different it is. And they probably just want to show it off. And some of them are better than others. Mm -hmm. I think this guy directs ends up directing quite a few of the episodes. Yeah, he was, yeah. He was one of the house regulars yeah. from Next Gen. But it might be like the first time they got him or something. Yeah. But it just seemed, it was just nice to see. Like, it was, it yeah. made it look good. And, I mean, the aliens were great. We had lots of aliens just wandering around in the background. And and that's the thing this show continues to do. And I think it's because they have the same sets every week. Like, effectively, every episode is a bottle episode because they're not going anywhere. Yeah. yeah I read on Memory Alpha that this episode was meant to just save some money for the, for the finale. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm. But it was awesome. Yeah. But, I mean, because of that, they can spend money on, you know, alien makeup and stuff like that. Which is nice. All right, uh, you got you got anything further, Amanda? Mm, nope. How about you, Matt? Ah, uh, no, I think that's it. Very well. Oh, Del I. Yes. I think I might ship uh, uh, Odo and Loxwana. I guess I this is what it feels like to Tumblr. <laughs> I don't know. They're both like straight. Yeah, that's never you? stopped anyone on Tumblr ever. I... No, that's what I mean. It's a it's a it's a hetero relationship, and that has stopped oh, people I on see. Tumblr. Are well, you, I guess Odo to... could turn into a woman. Yeah, that's true. There's no particular reason he needs to be a man. Yeah. In fact, the 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 character known as female shapeshifter says as much to him in a future episode. Yes. All right. Uh, I hate to do this, but we're going to have to now talk about this other one. Nope. Uh... This was one episode. I'm afraid. See you, no. folks. <laughs> See, Matt said his thing. Time to go. You go I'm editing that right out. <laughs> People are going to be saying, what the, what the hell did Matt say? He's, yes, yes, yep. Did you just tell me that gum I like is coming back into style? <laughs> it is. Came back in style last week when wishes were horses. Yeah. Uh, why don't you tell us about Dramatess Personae? All right, fine. So the wormhole opens and out flies a Klingon warbird, which promptly explodes. Hard luck, luck folks. Meanwhile, Kira is angry, and man, she's got every right. There's aliens smuggling dolomite! <laughs> Seriously, though, those aliens used to run guns for the Cardassians, and Kara suspects them of smuggling the funkiest element in the universe. Sisko, ever the weird, sort of goofy yin to Kira's angry bulldog yang, tells her to leave the aliens alone. Meanwhile, Odo visits Quark's bar for his daily chat, and then collapses on the floor. Quark, visibly concerned, summons Julian, and when Odo regains... Consciousness? Does that even work for him? He finds Jules acting all weird and over-concerned with office politics. Actually, the entire main crew is acting weird. O'Brien and Kara are plotting against each other. Dax is sort of loopy, and Cisco... Jesus, Cisco makes Jack Torrance look calm and subdued. <laughs> Odo does some mild detecting or whatever, and eventually discovers that the crew has picked up a dead telepathic culture's weird machinations from the exploding Klingons. It's really dumb, so Odo flushes it out the airlock. Wait, that's what happened? Yep. <laughs> I'm going to jump right into my bad thing. This episode took, I don't know how many uh, how many acts to finally tell us what the hell was going on. We're just sort of gradually watching everyone act kind of dumb. Yep. And it, and, and it, we hit like something like the 35-minute mark before they say, yeah, they were telepathed by whatever the hell Matt just said. Yep. 
It's just terrible. And they go over it so quickly. It's like a two-second scene where Odo just quickly explains, ah, oh, it's something to do with this dead alien race or something. And, you know, like, I'm fine that they're not spoon-feeding us. That's good. No, I prefer that. But, like... And we've talked a lot about how this crew and, and the people who make the show are aware of all the sort of trappings of Star Trek. And so it's nice we don't have to stop and dwell on things we've seen a million times. But on the other hand... There was so much time to explain things. Because this episode, like, something I've liked about the other episodes, something that makes them feel really full and busy, is that we do have the A, B, C, sometimes even D plots, which mm -hmm. sometimes can be a bit of a mess. Mm. But in this case, there was nothing else to nope. do. No, it would just, we would Ugh. then, we would just move on to another crew member acting weird. They, but, they even mentioned in the beginning that uh, Keiko and the, and the class, which would then include Jake and Nog, who might give us some sweet release. Yeah are on Bajor, and so they're not around for this. So, like, nope, sorry, there's your lifeline. They're gone. Yep. Hey, come on, can't they be doing some wacky shenanigans or something? No. Nope. Yeah, I would I would love to watch No-J Industries go, <laughs> uh, you know, go head-to-head -head with Vandalay Industries or something. I don't this, know. This week they're selling lemonade. Right. And Quark doesn't seem to be particularly affected by whatever the hell is going on. No, he's on. not. Probably no. because there's some weird telepathic resistance with Ferengis, which we talked about. Oh, well, yeah, Ferengi can't yeah. be read by Betazoids, so they so probably have some yeah. kind of... So it could have been like a buddy cop thing with Odo and Quark. Yeah, yeah except that, that would have been interesting. But it, it wasn't. They didn't do that at all. No, no, and actually, my good thing is Odo. He's the only one who's still acting in character. I mean, Quark's around, but he's not really. It's it's Odo doing his Odo thing and, and you know, doing the things an Odo can. And uh, and tracking down the mystery, and while it's a boring mystery, I just I like his dogged perseverance. Yep. No, I mean he's always even when he's investigating boring, stupid crap, he's still good doing it. Yep. And you know I like the guy. Yeah. He's he's fast becoming the bones of this show. Yep. The the clear you know I mean you and I I think went back and forth on different favorite next gen characters, but we were always on the same page with Bones, and I think we're the same with uh, with yep. Odo. He he he's the best. Yeah, he is. Did we mention that previous episode with Luxana? Because that one was much better. That Can we really go back to that one? episode? Yeah. Yeah. Can we go back to that one? No. 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 Amanda, start reading your summary again. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we can loop it. We've we're, gonna, we're taking this podcast around the sun. <laughs> and then the Enterprise explodes. Damn it, no! <laughs> this episode was written by the same guy who wrote Masks. Ugh. And it had the same kind of, here's a bunch of weird shit that's happening. Whoa, yeah. look at the kooky. But I was reading his credits on Memory Alpha, and it's like, okay, he's written Masks, and he wrote Emergence, and he wrote, like, some of our least favorite episodes. And Time Zero. Time Zero Part 2. Time right? Zero Part 2. I never no, had to see that I was just reading this, like, crap, crap, yeah. crap. Darmok. And then, what? <laughs> yep. One of the very best episodes, episode I'm sure that it would make it into both our top ten. Yep. He's responsible for that, and there was another really good one. It's like, what the, f how is this even possible? But I was watching this, and I found myself daydreaming about watching Masks, because this was way more boring. It was incredibly boring. The Masks was dumb, like it was so dumb, but... It had some. It was trying to do some mythology stuff, and there was some not very great, but kind of some set pieces with the temple. And yeah, well, enough. you must have you must have had something that was good here. <clears throat> Come on, oh. Come on, it's the format of the show. You got to do it. I don't know. I guess like the clock thing 
what Cisco was building looked pretty cool. Do we and, know why he was building a clock? Uh, no, or? that 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 was that was something that I did like was because Kara comes in at the end and she's like, uh, so I tried to have you killed, uh, but at the same time she's like. What is that thing that you... Why were you building and building that thing? And Cisco turns around to her with a big smile on his face, and he says, I have no idea. It was great. Yeah. Well, and that sort of feeds into Matt's good thing overall. Yeah. Uh, so Cisco spends this entire episode building and, building and designing this clock, mm-hmm. and he is amazing. He spends, like, the entire episode, he's running around, screaming at the top of his lungs. There's this great moment where... Uh, O'Brien says that they should maybe abandon the station, and he goes, "Never!" <laughs> I don't know how how Avery Brooks can pull some of the same, almost exact same stunts that Shatner did, but make them cool. Yeah, but he's got an abruptness to his voice. He yells at points that are not points where you would normally yell. No, nope. he's he's just got a really strange way of acting. Like. But- and- when he's happy, when he's excited about something, like it's, it's like the huge sun smile. coming yeah. out behind the clouds. Like, yeah. It's just, it's effervescent. But then, then he gets the angry voice, and which is kind of he's sinister. angry for no reason. Yeah, but, but I'm scared when he's angry. Like, yeah. uh-oh, somebody's about to get punched. Like, like I mean, we've talked about his acting before, but it's, it's so this one. weird. He goes off the fucking rails. <laughs> it's like they just told him, hey... So, Avery, um, you know, you're not going to really be Cisco this episode. You're going to be, like, a different character. He's like, perfect! I'll go insane! (laughs) (laughs) And it's really abrupt, because he does the never thing, and then immediately he's chummy-chummy with O'Brien again, like they're best friends. Yep. So is he being possessed by a guy with multiple personalities? I have no idea! I don't know what's happening, but I love it! (laughs) I wouldn't say I love anything in this episode, but... uh... This was the... Like, I didn't choose this for my good thing because I was, like, strapped for ideas. I... As soon as he started talking, like doing his whole thing. I'm like, this is my good thing. I love this. I'm so... I could watch you freak out all day. But again, it's weird because it doesn't really fit our previously established definition of good acting. Not even a little bit. But you can be charismatic and interesting without it exactly being good at... Like, without it being, you know... But no, he's a good actor. He's acting weird. That's his thing. And and we've been talking about this. Is Cisco just sort of a weird guy? I... I really am starting to think that's just how Avery Brooks decided to play him. Which He's is just fine. kind of weird. There's a there's a there's a scene, I don't remember if it was this episode or or the previous one, where somebody says something and he laughs, and it made me realize you don't see people laugh on TV very much. Certainly not in Star Trek. Like it just felt so out of place, yeah. but in a good way. Yeah. It felt like, wait a minute, that is a normal human reaction to a thing. And he does a lot of that. He does a lot of emoting where other actors would choose not to. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, on the original series, we would have everyone sort of do the end of the episode laugh on the bridge thing. Right. But everyone on uh, the Enterprise-D was so deadly serious. It's like if anyone chuckled or anything, Picard would snap their neck. No, you'd get, you'd get Riker making that big grin. That's true. No, that he Matt, had. Picard wouldn't be angry. He'd just be very disappointed they weren't taking their duty more seriously. I don't have time for your Captain Picard Day shenanigans, Mr. Riker. Now, don't you think you'd have something you'd better be doing right now? Can't you, I mean, can you just picture Picard throwing his head back in laughter? Not at all. No, never. Even even at his lightest moment, even when he was, like, dating that chick and things were going pretty good for him. Or uh, when he was hanging out with his nephew. 
Right. Nope. But even that, that was you an know, acting uh, choice too. Kindling. Because I can totally, because <laughs> I can totally picture Patrick Stewart just yeah. laughing at like busting a gut. Oh yeah, yeah exactly. Totally. There's the there's been those great pictures of uh, circul- uh, making the rounds lately of him and uh, Ian McKellen hanging out together. Yeah, I think we've mentioned this before, and there's a there's a recent one where they're like by the big Christmas tree or whatever. Yeah, which is just delightful. But it's it's just interesting all these choices that Every Brooks makes. He he makes him because of these little weird details. He makes him more real. Mm-hmm. It, it, he feels more like a fleshed out guy and not a TV character. Which and I like. It's so easy for the boss guy on the show, like the captain who has to keep everything running, to be the most boring character. Yeah. Because he's got to be the guy. Well, it's always the says, loneliness of command yeah. Is, yeah. is the story they're trying to tell. And it's but hard that's, to, He's not like that. That's and really Cisco, not here. Like, his best friend works on the show. His son's here. Like, yeah. Yeah, Cisco doesn't seem lonely. He kind of seems like he's got his shit together. Yeah. Which, given that we're right now he's in mid-arc of trying to get up over his dead wife, is particularly impressive, mm-hmm. I would say. Because he's he hasn't started looking at you know other women like they no. haven't even no. begun to think about romantic interest for him. No, and we're the this season's almost over, which is pretty impressive. Like, yep. but he's not ready for that yet. He no. just wants to be with his friends and his family. And and of course, naturally, he has already latched onto O'Brien because who can not like that guy? Yeah, those two already have sort of a. I mean, there's a there, there's still a, a an employer employee thing going on there, but it, there's 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 a connection. There's a bit yeah. of chemistry there, and it's great. It's because they're both so likable. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was your bad thing, Amanda? Um, I think that this episode had naked time syndrome. You can't really have an effective episode about everyone being out of character when you aren't really already invested in the characters and know exactly how they would act. Mm. I mean, Kira is really, she's a really hard character, and she softens later on, and that's sort of a natural progression. We saw her soften a little a couple of weeks ago, but... Uh... But, like, we, you know, it's. I think it's a, I think it was intentional that she started off really hard and bitter, and she sort of softens as we go on as things improve. Like, she's no longer having to fight, fight, fight all the time for everything. Right. But she has a scene where her and Cisco are getting into it about the <laughs> about the dolomite <laughs> uh, smuggling, um, and it does. And at that at that point is when it's they're supposed to start acting out of character because Cisco's not all that interested and she's really harsh. But I don't know. It doesn't seem all that different from ones they've had before. No, and, a couple. I mean, the one where she went to his boss a yeah. few weeks ago. Yeah. Wasn't that much. That was not that long ago. Nope. Really. While I know Dax becomes a character that I extra love (laughs) later on, she she doesn't seem like anything in this. Yes, she does. She seems stoned. Yeah, Yeah, you pointed that out, and it was like, that's what the deal is. She's got droopy eyelids. She's sort of staring at her monitor, but not really paying attention. And she's giggling for no reason. Yeah, and there's a point where Kira said, "Didn't you set off the the security grid or whatever?" She's like, "Oh, I forgot." And Sorry, she says man. it just like that. It's like, listen, I'm really into watching this Klingon video right now and so would maybe you, getting some chips. Would you pass a drug test if you were possessed by someone who was high? Man, I well, hope so. In this you would, because uh, at the end, the whatever thing was possessing them gets shunted out the airlock as oh. though it were a physical thing. Oh, yeah. I wasn't kidding when I says Odo flushes it out the airlock. Yeah. It, and it's a really shitty, like, it's a shitty scene, too. Well, like, I mean, you know, it's just another shitty scene on top of another shitty scene that well, makes yes. up a shitty episode. But, but 
if you've got like an energy being that is taking over people's brains or whatever magical wizard thing is do- is mm. happening here, it doesn't have a physical form. And I know this is like nitpicky nerd bullshit, but it we've all got our thing. It doesn't make sense. It we've... doesn't make sense. Amanda, I... is this your flying mountain? <laughs> oh, it doesn't make any sense at all. And then I was thinking about the. Starfleet guys making money, and I was having trouble with that too. No, you leave you leave that to me and Matt. Oh, we've yeah. we've thought about that a lot, and we will talk about it a lot more in the future. Oh yes, my face. Now the money thing, there's definitely an explanation for. I think you have to you have to make a couple of leaps, but I think for the most part, there's an explanation for that. It's basically they started boxed into a corner, and they tried their best to get their way out. But um, no, the the glowy mental energy didn't make sense. My thing, and it's still my thing, is. Uh, the logistics of shape-shifting. When Odo changes oh, back yeah, to yeah. liquid form in the previous episode, there doesn't appear to be enough liquid to make an Odo. And that kind of bugged me, and but I don't know why. it was such a beautiful scene. Yeah, I know, but it was like, come on, there should be more than that. That's not enough for Odo. It wasn't, but I mean, him, you know, melting know, into her lap was so, was so... Oh, it was great. You, you, you couldn't see it, but he folded himself several times. Yeah. Oh. He's the man who folded himself. Yes, exactly. Like in that book. He folded himself into a gun and then Starscream shot him. What? No. <laughs> it's like from that book. The man who folded himself. I like mine better. Elf Wait, no, face? I don't. It's Transformers. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but this was written by David Gerald, who wrote The Trouble with Tribbles. I was making a deep Trek reference, damn Ooh, it. I see how it is. Do you? No. I didn't think so. Uh, what was your bad thing? Um... I just thought everyone looked was really irritating when they're possessed. And, like... I, I want to talk briefly about how dumb the aliens that possess them are. Well, like, we don't really know what they're about because they've sort of grafted their situation over one that's already happening. Yeah, but it, like... So we don't know they've got this whole, them. like... They've got this whole, like, weird Machiavellian, like, plot going on. Mm. And... They're all, they all seem really bad at it. And, they're, like, to compare this again to masks, because you can't exactly avoid the comparison, no. same writer, same type of a deal, in that it felt like there was some kind of world that was yeah, like they're, like, on top of our thing. It's a shitty episode, but, like, there's a whole mythology there. Like, they've got, like, the trickster god and the old guy god. And... Yeah, if they'd at least referred to each other as different names instead yeah. of O'Brien's got this handled, look out, Commander Sisko. Yeah. It it just, it, they were just acting a little bit strangely and not, except for Avery Brooks, uh, they, <laughs> they were acting a little bit strangely, but they were still kind of being like themselves and uh, it, I didn't, like, I didn't feel exactly like they were possessed. No. Mm. <clears throat> it's like, like I when the episode started, I assumed everyone was just getting really paranoid. And then, you know, you get Dax getting dopey. Yep. And just like my assumption was at first, it's, oh, everyone's getting paranoid. It's not affecting Odo because he's always paranoid. I understand <laughs> where this is going. That would have been okay. Yeah. No, instead, your notes keep saying, what what's going on? Yeah, what, I say what, what the, the hell? hell is going on about 15 times, because none of it makes any fucking sense. Yeah, it doesn't. And they uh... refuse to tell you why until the very end. Like, there's no the, there's no mystery being worked out or anything. It's just, like, this tiny little info dump right at the end, because it doesn't matter. But the story's still structured in a way that you it is supposed to be a mystery, and you're supposed to wonder what's going yeah, on. Yeah, because, like, Odo's out trying to, like, solve this thing and everything, and he's, you know... 
he's getting something. They're not quite clues because they're don't not leading anywhere, but right. He's doing something. I do, and and I, I mentioned already that Odo was my good thing. Yeah. There's, the way he handles everyone who's possessed is pretty great. Oh, I do Where like that, yeah. He, he comes to Cisco and he's like, Sir, um, some of us are acting a little strangely. Mm-hmm. And actually, the way he fools Julian into finding a, uh, a medical solution for it. Oh, yeah, that, that was really well done. Where he's like, oh, no, 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 we're fine. Me and you are fine. It's everyone else. You gotta listen. And he starts sounding like a fellow conspirator. Listen, like, no. what if everyone else is up to something? Have you thought of that? I never have thought of that. That's a really interesting point, Mr. Odo. Oh, delay. I'm going to scan you through this thing, if that's all right. <laughs> and there's a there's a great thing that's, that's more Julian than possessed character, where Odo wakes up and he's like, am I okay? He's like, well, I hope so, because I have absolutely no idea how your body <laughs> works. It makes no goddamn sense. I don't know how you work, Mr. Odo. What a thing to happen. <laughs> Uh, that's pretty much all I got. What about you guys? Let's see here. Let's see what the hell is happening. What the hell is happening? <laughs> what the hell is happening? Dolomite joke. <laughs> I think we. Oh oh oh, oh 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 oh. Um, fucking uh, super seduction, Kira. Oh right, it's like um, this is where the seeds are planted. For uh, a character la 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 la. No spoilers. For a character. To be unnamed, which she'll play later on. Right. But, um, no, she does this weird thing where she's like, first she's coming on to Odo, which, yeah. fine. This is weird. <laughs> but, like, okay. But then she starts coming on to Dax pretty severely. I'm okay with that, too. I, listen, I'm fine with it, but, like, when they she starts, like, drinking out of her drink and, like, getting real close. I'm fine like, with it, but I like don't Like, spot counting it. close. I, I'm just looking over Memory Alpha here. This episode is a favorite of Iris Stephen Bear, who feels like it was a bold move to do a show like this so early in the series. Mm, uh, yeah. Anybody else would say, you need to know the characters better before you twist them like this. I, I would say that. I yeah. think I would be right to say that. I he, would uh, point out the naked now. He goes on to say, but seeing Kira come on to Dax, I don't care if it's first or third season, people are going to be interested in that. That's his defense, huh? I, why, it he's sure not... is sexy. Yeah. That's not really the same thing, uh, Grandma's Ira. lingerie. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. Kira and Dex have not a sexual relationship, but there's definitely the occasional flirtation there. Yes, there is actually this uh, the, in the same scene where they're kind of being flirty together. Um, I was watching Quark come on to both of them again, and it kind of made me think. Whenever Quark is like seriously coming on to a chick, it's not sort of one of the floozy. Dabo girls or whoever it's always somebody like Vosh somebody who's strong and capable and like interesting and yeah. I think that's kind of I think that's kind of a neat choice yeah because you know we find out a little bit more about Ferengi culture later on but women he are not does not go highly. for uh traditional right. Ferengi women right right which is nice I just think it's neat I think it you know you, you, well later on when we meet his mother some yeah. very yeah. obvious uh we'll, uh we'll we'll get to that yeah uh another note here the clock that cisco builds in this episode is seen in the background of his office in many episodes after this so that and the baseball from if witches were horses all the all the props and yep. they did this with picard too he had the flute and he had the uh the tapestry that they gave him in uh 
um, who watches the Watchers. Like all the all the stuff that Cisco keeps are from shitty episodes. Yep. Maybe it's like to remind them of their shame. <laughs> Don't do this again. That could be. Except Memory Alpha says that uh, Iris Stephen Bear, like I said, liked it. Uh, Avery Brooks liked it. Nan- Nana Visitor liked it. And Armin Shimmer, like they all liked it. Well, I mean, at least with uh, at least with uh, Avery Brooks and Nana Visitor, like they got to like I'm sure that they had fun acting in it. Yeah, that's true. Like the They're... like the the script was shit, but they clearly were enjoying themselves. Well, except one of the head writers said that it was a good episode too. The director, I, I actually know this quote from the director is pretty great. The public didn't know the extent of of Avery Brooks' abilities for a long time. The man is awesome. <laughs> that's true. I would agree with that. Yep. You can you can tell the episode's running short because I'm actually going to Memory Alpha during the episode. But, uh, <laughs> we've been having this problem with DS9. You guys who've been listening for a while may notice the show used to run about an hour, and now we're coming in at about 45, 50 minutes. Yeah. It's it's not that we don't have... I guess it is that we don't have as much to say. Maybe it's because we don't know the characters as well yet. Maybe it's because we don't have as much negative to say. No, because that's all we have for this one. <laughs> yeah. We got Cisco and Odo were kind of okay. Otherwise, bleh. Yeah, Dramatis Persona like can clock. suck my dick. I don't know how that can physically happen, Matt. I'll find well, a way. It's a physical thing that you can shunt out an airlock so it could physically... Suck Matt's dick. Are you, are, are Matt's you saying dick. that after it's this episode sucks my dick, I'm going to kick it out in the airlock? What kind of man do you think I am? <laughs> I don't know. What are you going to do with it? Jeez, like, buy an episode of drink at least. You can't marry. You're already married. That's true. Do we have anything further to say about this travesty? Or I'm a polygamist we... when it comes to uh, episodes of DS9. Yeah, see, I'm sorry. Episodes that can suck your dick. Yeah. No, I'm I'm marrying in the pale moonlight. I'm calling it now. Nah, that's fine. <laughs> hey, uh, have you guys uh, ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight? You know, that's... the odd thing is that episode does refer, like, that's what it quote. I looked it up to see if it was like an older expression. Yeah. That episode title actually does quote Batman 1989. <laughs> that's really odd. Just one more great thing about uh, in the yeah. pale moonlight. And which down we... the short rope. <laughs> <laughs> which we won't get to until like season six or something. But no. uh, trust us, it's like the very best one. Uh, okay, so as always, the website is postatomicorror.com. Oh, if we forgot your quote. Yep. Your quote is the website is postatomicorror.com. <laughs> That's correct. Now, here we go. What is, what is this? Set it up. This is uh, my favorite example of uh, Avery Books freaking out. What is it? A clock. That's, uh, that's not him going, never, but it's uh, the next best thing. Yep. And it comes back to the clock again, one of the only good things about the episode. Yep. Yeah, you guys what do seem to like that clock. Well, any life raft when you're drowning. I yep. suppose that's true. All right. Any so clock I t- in a storm. <laughs> what? <laughs> you heard me. So, like the the Hill Valley clock in the lightning storm? Is that what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, exactly. Okay, that makes sense then. Or is it like See, it's a good metaphor. Droid? Can I end this damn storm? episode or what? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Our website. Postatomichorror.com. Write to us, postatomichorror at gmail. We are doing a supplemental episode in a week, and we would like to answer your mail, so send it to us. Amanda, as always, thank you, I guess. How much can you really thank someone from coming in from the other room? Well, you did have to sit through Dramatis Personae twice. That's true. Two times. I got up and made a chili dog rather than watch it again. Took me 47 minutes. (laughs) All right, Matt, say your thing. Where's my thank you? (laughs) 
The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2013. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.